Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we're actually here in beautiful Uruguay. We were in uh, Carmelo and now we're in Colonia de Sacramento and we're heading over to Montevideo, the capital of Uruguay, and exploring this part of the world. It's actually our 12th country here in South America, so we've done 12 out of 12, the entire continent. Well, not the entire continent but at least visited every country on this continent and uh, yeah super excited about traveling around here and while we're traveling we love interviewing fellow world travelers fellow digital nomads and I have the honor and pleasure of interviewing our guest today our guests actually the the uh, writers of ultimate uh, journeys for two Mike and Amanda and uh, we're gonna be finding out about their whole uh, travel journey oh yeah sorry sorry Mike and Amanda yes yes Mike and Amanda we're gonna find out about their whole uh, travel journeys they actually decided to do an indefinite honeymoon. Uh, you know, uh, mo most of us who have been on honeymoons will do a two-week or maybe, uh, you know, a road trip or a little getaway. But they actually on their uh, honeymoon indefinitely. We don't know uh, when it's going to end. And, uh, you know, while they've been doing this honeymoon, they've been uh, travel blogging at HoneyTrek, HoneyTrek.com. And they also uh, just uh, recently got approached by National Geographic and recently launched this amazing book called Ultimate Journeys for Two. So uh, on this interview, we're going to be finding out all about the journey, the travels, and uh, the blog, and of course, about the book. Uh, so uh, how are you guys doing today? If you want to start off with by doing a quick introduction. Great. Thanks for having us. And uh, hola, Uruguay, and everyone out there. Uh, yeah, we're Mike and Ann Howard. And um, yeah, world's longest honeymoon, so they say. You know, we left in 2012 and uh, have been traveling the world ever since. Yeah, and happy. And like one of our favorite things about um, you know our our travel experience and blogging for Honey Track is helping more people get out there. Right? It seems like this lofty dream to go travel around the world that you have to be a millionaire or a dropout hippie, and it's neither has to be the case. And you know we love sharing tips about making travel more affordable and attainable, and a you know a more part of your life, even if you can't be nomadic forever. Um, Making travel a part of your education and a part of your 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 growth in your in your in your lifelong journey. Yeah, we definitely have that same mission to inspire people to travel, and that's why we started all of our different resources: our coaching, our, our mastermind group. We have our podcast now. We had actually three hundred twenty plus guests on a podcast so far, and we're just showing all the different ways that people are making income and traveling and living this uh, dream lifestyle, if you want to call it that. And we're also being very real on the podcast, and we're sharing also all about the struggles and challenges and difficulties that nomads face. And uh, we actually just uh, finished our virtual summit just last week as well, so you can check all those resources out. At our digitalnomadmastery.com website. Uh, so Mike and Anne, I, tell us about this whole conception of this uh, honeymoon idea. Uh, was it Mike? Was it Anne's idea? Was it both of your ideas? Uh, let's go back to the beginning and hear where it all started. Yeah, I mean, it, it all started when I, because neither of us had ever dreamed or thought about doing a, you know, a multi-month or multi-year trip. We, we did the normal, you know, seven, ten. Of course eight. you dream, but it just didn't seem it was not a reality. Like we didn't know that was a legit option. Exactly. Until I met somebody who did it. This was in 2010. I met a guy who did an around the world trip, did 18 countries for under a hundred dollars a day for two people. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, that's actually cheaper than our rent back in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time. So came home, told Dan, we sat down and immediately like broke out a big map put it up on the wall and just started putting post-its like everywhere we wanted to see and yeah we set out on this honeymoon in january 2012 it was originally going to be 
a one-year honeymoon with a little, you know, a blog just there to keep in touch with family and friends, like as the story goes. And we fell in love with the world and the people. And now, yeah, it's been a little bit over 2,000 days that we've been on the road full time. And to start elaborate on that for a second, it was kind of having this realization of all the experiences we wanted to have in our life and looking at um, how long that list was and how many years you could have in life. There's no, there was, it became very clear we should not delay, right? Anything could happen. You get hit by a bus tomorrow. You're, you could, you know, diligently save until you're 65, and then who knows? Anything can happen. You're, you need to replace a knee, or it just seemed like too risky to wait. And the value of travel was just, just too great because you're going to have all these learning experiences and these incredible memories, and the idea of pushing that to the end of life, um, if you were lucky enough to even get there, seemed like. A gamble. So we wanted to get out there and celebrate our new life together and uh, travel the world. And you're doing that for 2,000 days uh, consecutively. Pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the whole thing about, you know, uh, you never know what's going to come. I, I think of the movie Up. I don't know if you guys have seen it, the Pixar movie Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The balloon, the old guy. Yeah. Definitely, definitely very inspiring with the husband and wife. They're saving up for uh, this trip, and unfortunately, the, the wife passed away, and then the husband has all this money, but then no one to travel with. But he ends up still doing his trip. So, yeah, definitely a lesson learned there. Don't uh, don't wait for that, uh, you know, unfortunate outcome to happen. Uh, you do it now while you can. And, uh, you know, a lot of people start with that one year. Uh, we're actually starting with that one year as well. We're almost at a one-year uh, travel anniversary, uh, uh, nomad anniversary on December 6th, 2017 will be that one year. And, yeah, we definitely want to keep going going as well so uh, you know one of the things I think the barriers in people going is obviously the whole money side of things so we're gonna cover that but before we cover those things I'd love to hear about the journey so far so 2,000 days obviously you've covered a lot of ground uh, so walk us through so, so, like where did you start in your honeymoon maybe what was the first country and then we can kind of do a deeper dive into the journey so far ironically um, so when we left on this trip uh, when we got married we said by our first year anniversary we were going to save for the whole year. We'd already been saving up a nest egg and, you know, whatever, for a car or a bigger house or whatever. We had our nest egg, and then we said, we're going to go into hardcore saving mode, and by our first year anniversary, we want to be on this trip. And ironically, we spent our first year anniversary in Uruguay, in the same city that you're at right now. <laughs> what was, are the uh, chances? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Actually, our first country was Brazil, but our, our, our anniversary of getting married was, was in Uruguay. Awesome. Um, kind of fulfilled that mission. And then we looped uh, around South America. Uh, we did about four months in South America. And then from there, we went over to Johannesburg, South Africa, and we did a hundred day, about a hundred days overland from uh, Cape Town all the way up to Nairobi in Kenya. And then we did all like local transit, no guides or overland vehicle, you know, chaperoning us around. It was just like us. And, and that's sort of like what's been unique about this style of honeymoon or travel is that um, we've reviewed over 150 different, you know, luxury boutique hotel properties around the world, but we may have hitchhiked to get there or took the chicken bus, or we like to kind of have that mix of luxury and local to get a more well-rounded well -rounded perspective of a place. And we recommend that to everyone, no matter how much money's in your bank, you can afford the Ritz-Carlton, you should still do a homestay. You should see, um, do it, rent a room in an Airbnb, see how people live, because you could kind of stay in these, these beautiful walled palaces, if you will, but that's not real life. It's nice to have that, but you know, try and have as much of both. 
And then, yeah, so after, you know, we, then we went to Asia for nine months, and and then we thought, oh, we're not going to go to Europe. Europe's too expensive. That's going to blow our budget. But we after actually Asia, got we so... Australia, Australia, New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. But the idea was that we were like, Europe was never on the docket because we wanted to go places that were kind of too far flung to go with a, with a normal 10-day vacation with a job and maybe too rugged. Uh, we wanted to go places that were more rugged now and versus like Europe is will always be Europe and it's easy to get around and it's perfectly preserved. We wanted to go to developing countries and um, at part because we love that sense of exploration and but then also uh, you know Europe was going to break the bank. So but we got better and better at travel hacking. We're like oh maybe we can go to Europe. We were getting bringing our costs down as the years went on and we're getting much savvier about you know collecting frequent flyer miles and you know, ways to find free or very affordable lodging. And we're like, we can tackle Europe. We went to Norway, which is one of the most expensive countries in Europe, and um, kind of our budget, and did it really, did it for still keeping under our budget of, of $40 mm -hmm. a day. So there's always a way. You just have to stay motivated and get crafty. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a way to, to budget uh, your way around the world. And I'm glad you mentioned the whole uh, diver uh, diversity and variety of your types of travel. That's something we're doing definitely too, like everything from hostels. We're actually at a hostel here, and then we've done uh, hotels, and we've done Airbnbs, and we've also done those luxury resorts. I lo definitely love those. After, <laughs> Especially the long bus rides in uh, South America, it's good to have those luxury resorts. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's good to I obviously see the locals and uh, see how they travel as well. So the buses, sometimes they can get uh, tedious and tiring but uh, it's uh, definitely a good way to connect with the locals and uh, just to observe what's happening like uh, even here in South America you'll see all the people rushing onto the bus and trying to sell you stuff and just observing all that is definitely what the, the joy in travel is all about. Definitely. Totally yeah we always tell people like overland transit is where so much of the magic of travel happens and like getting lost or your bus breaking down or the people coming on and selling you local foods or snacks and you know, just getting off at rest stops, like it's such a silly thing, like turns yeah, out to be. it doesn't sound, you know, exotic or glamorous, but yeah, it's a, it's a look at real life. And when you're going slower, you know, be in an eight hour bus ride, you know, it gives you time to look out the window and see the countryside versus, you know, just jetting from airport to airport where no locals go. Um, so yeah, always, always off overland if you can. Yeah, definitely a big advocate. We actually traveled fully overland all the way from uh, Colombia to uh, Uruguay without one flight. So we went from wow. Colombia into Ecuador and then to Peru, into Bolivia and then into Chile and then into Argentina and here to Uruguay. No flights whatsoever. Oh, so, awesome. yeah, it's been, and a lot of the buses really in South America are like push, right? Like lay down service. We had buses with food. We had one bus, one bus with a whiskey cart rolling up and down the <laughs> aisle. Like it, it was pretty wild. It yeah, is, it is. From from uh, Iguazu to Buenos Aires, nicer than a first class plane. Like it was remarkable. Um, with like, yeah, TVs yeah. and the whiskey service, the whole thing. Yes, yes. Uh, even some of them actually have uh, TVs on the back of the seats, kind of like on an airplane. Uh, yeah. And I remember, uh, not, not, all, not all the time, but uh, one of them, like they had Angry Birds and the kids were loving that. And you can pick your own movies. You don't have to be stuck to the movies that they choose for you. So, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, a wide variety of different yeah. type of buses. And you we definitely have the ones that are really yeah. in Spanish, like <laughs> more, more times. I, it seems like there's something going on, at least when we were down there, that like the bus drivers, like one movie would come out, it would be like, you know, Need, for, an Need for Speed 6 yeah, with Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious. Six. And then it would be like every single bus company would get a copy of this. So every bus we'd go on would be like, <laughs> you know, 
Shaking Bendido. buses around Uruguay. I think we saw Fast and the Furious in Spanish like four times. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, the movies haven't changed. Here I am uh, watching Fast and Furious in 2017 uh, just, <laughs> this, this month as well. So Fast and Furious is, is definitely something that the people love over here. So, And uh, the good thing about that movie is you don't really need to understand the dialogue to understand what the plot's about. That's, exactly. I think that's it. They're yeah. easy to translate. Even, in, Eng out. even in English, ah. nobody understands the needle, so it's perfect. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, you know, that you probably get this question a lot, and I get this question as well, but uh, tell us about what are some of your favorite destinations in terms of cities or countries or uh, places that really left their lasting impression on you guys? Because you're in South America, so that's on my mind right now. We, we really loved Ecuador. And funny enough, in terms of budget travel and whatnot, in our first um, four months in South America, we, we made a hard stop after Peru being like, we can't go to Ecuador. You know, we want to go to the Galapagos, and that's just too expensive. We waited a couple of years and we're like, we're going, to, we're going to the Galapagos, we'll make it work. It does not have to be expensive, actually. What we realized is that these are people live in the Galapagos and they take the ferry. They, you know, have local guest houses. You can hire a local guide. You don't need an expensive tour company or cruise ship to get around uh, the Galapagos. So one, those are fun. Those are fun. Absolutely no problem. But it, it, it seemed like a barrier to entry that this was like a ultra luxury destination and it doesn't have to be it's about you know the wildlife and well guanas are running around regardless if you have a lot of money in your pocket or not so and the penguins are swimming it is remarkable and then what's amazing about ecuador is that of course they have the galapagos but they also have some of the most biodiverse section of the amazon so we went to yasuni and loved it they have the volcano like volcano avenue is like so remarkable um so that's a favorite destination but pick some pick someplace in asia after. i'd take uh nepal Mm -hmm. um i mean nepal is easily one of our favorite destinations in the world i mean it's super affordable which is always nice but just the people are super kind the mountains are massive nepal i think has eight of the top 10 tallest mountains in the world are all within nepal so that yeah in a tiny little uh country but just the food and the confluence between china and on the silk road and india uh, and the architecture there, the history, um, definitely put Nepal yeah. high on your list. And I mean, we could go on and on. Um, I mean, New Zealand is just absolutely stunning. And that's actually because now we have a, a vintage RV that's kind of the next chapter after five years living out of a, a backpack suitcase. We have just recently bought an RV and that's inspired, like by. inspired by starting to, to do a camper van trip around New Zealand. We're like, ooh, this could be this could be good long term. We needed some time to kind of uh, explore other modes of transit and we did a lot of house sitting. We've house sat in maybe 10 different countries or so. Um, so, but then we went there like, someday we'll come back to this camper banding idea and it did inspire us in New Zealand because that is just some of the most incredible and diverse landscapes in a very small uh, pair of islands. Yeah, and I have, have happened to actually see all those countries you mentioned. Uh, New Zealand was definitely uh, amazing, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And Nepal, yeah, definitely can't rave about how gorgeous that place is. And I was just in, uh, we were just in Ecuador about uh, three months ago, so definitely uh, three great countries there you mentioned. And obviously, us travelers, we can go on and on about our favorites because uh, mm -hmm. our favorites are just the ones that come immediately to, to your mind. But yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, we're talking about South America, then boom, you'll think of that. You think about, uh, you know, like Asia, boom, you'll think about that, or Europe, et cetera. So, um, and yeah. If there, if I can interject something, the yeah, part the, that is the hardest question, right? You know, where's your favorite place? And what we usually throw back at people is 
for what? Are you a mountain person, a beach person, um, deserts? What gets what gets your juices flowing? And then for our book, we actually organize it in that way. So it's um, we have it here, of course. Um, so <laughs> also guys do, but no, it's because it, that's the only way to kind of because different places are great for different things. So it's kind of like, mm. what do you want in your journey? Like, what kind of experiences do you want to have? So um, that's how that's how we organize. That didn't matter like what country so much as what type of experiences. Usually, the table of contents. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you're trying to show, right? Yeah, you see that. Yeah. So. So there's the TOC in our in our book. You know, we don't say regions of the world. We just say types of trips: deserts and dunes, jungles and rainforests, snow and ice. So kind of help people let people explore the world without having this preconceived notion of like. I definitely want to go to France or I definitely want to go to New Zealand. So I'm just going to go there, like open this up and see, you know, just think about the type of experience and adventures you want to have and then hopefully discover some new places. Yeah, because all the household names, you know, everyone knows Bali. So therefore you get to Bali and there are a lot of tourists there. So that's the thing is like when things become a household name, a lot of times they lose that charm. So we wanted to kind of shake all that up and start pe stop stop going leaning on the on the crutch places and uh, yeah, just 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 discover new destinations based on your interests. Awesome, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to, uh, to talking about the book. I'd love to uh, cover the blog as well. Uh, so Honey Trek, uh, did you guys actually start that uh, pre honeymoon or pre marriage? Uh, tell us about the whole uh, conception of the blog and uh, walk us through uh, what you guys are writing about there. Yeah, so we actually started it um, before we left on the honeymoon, a couple months before, kind of like packing, getting ready, um, you know, that whole side of planning and around the world trip. And, you know, we wanted to build something that looked professional and that wasn't necessarily to make money, but more the idea that uh, we were both leaving careers in New York City and we wanted to have something to show for this trip. You know, not just a couple pretty pictures and, and fun stories, but actually like a piece that, you know, that we could put in our portfolio or on our resume to say, hey, like we went around the world, we did this, we built uh, social media accounts, we built this brand and we wrote, we wrote uh, articles because Anne was a writer, a professional uh, editor and writer in New York, and I did social media. So that was kind of our, our background there. And we just loved to do it. Like we weren't, you know, trying to become rich off it or even like sustain our travels but more just like kind of feed our creative juices and also have a really good way to keep in touch with all of our friends who you know thought we were just going to drop off the earth and never see them again but um yeah so that's kind of why we started honey trek then it started getting a little notoriety that affected it was our honeymoon and kept going and going uh it started getting picked up in some uh you know like the la times picked it up uh, travel and leisure Condé Nast traveler uh, and then it started getting a little recognition of like, is this the world's longest honeymoon? And yeah, like Anne said, we keep reviewing honeymoon destinations almost everywhere we go. So, um, you know, but we still try and keep it like that mix of like rugged and, and luxury. Well, we're trying to redefine, that wasn't so much on purpose, but um, couples travel, right? That people kind of pigeonhole that as romantic candlelit dinners and a couple's massages and stuff and for us we're like it's about having experiences together it's about doing things making memories so and that adventure can be romantic and sure you can still have a, a candlelit dinner not not against that but maybe you you know hike to a cliff with a picnic and enjoy a sunset over you know sea cliffs or something that that can be romantic too so it's not 
we wanted to break out of that category and encourage more couples to, to get out there and make memories uh, by doing cool stuff. And you've definitely done your share of amazing cool things. Uh, you can definitely check them out at the blog and also on the YouTube channel, social media, etc. cetera. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously one of the big barriers in people traveling or even doing their wedding or the honeymoon is the whole financial side of thing. They're strapped for cash, so they sometimes they'll save it all for their wedding and in the, they have nothing, nothing left for the honeymoon. Or they'll do it at the wedding and the honeymoon and boom, they'll have nothing left for travel beyond that. So curious to know about the whole financing side of things. Did you save up a lot and then... Uh, sell a lot or tell us about the whole uh, from the origin onwards how did you guys finance this whole honey track yeah I mean, like I kind of alluded to before we we had a nest egg we'd been saving you know we had our retirement accounts and um, you know just doing the normal thing like saving we were living in an apartment in Hoboken and thinking okay maybe we'll buy a home somewhere farther out in Jersey and have you know kids and and go that route and so we, we had our savings account and one thing that we advise to people who are thinking about it or maybe just dreaming about it or maybe it's a potential is to kind of put in place of both a, a financial plan as well as just an idea and kind of learn about long-term travel well in advance of when you want to do it because it doesn't take too much money relatively um, you know, to travel the world, but it still does take money and it's not something that you can save for in three months and be like, okay, cool. Now I've got my travel fund. So we always tell people like start a travel fund now, start a little around the world fund, even if you're two or three or four years out from wanting to go on that trip and you can do it with like five or 10 bucks a day into a separate bank account. That's kind of your travel fund can go or a long way. Your paycheck or however you want to do it, like direct deposit it. So it's like, you don't have to think about it because it's travel sounds like a luxury and in tight times people are like well i can't go on this trip but travel is an education and it's it's just re, you know rejuvenates the soul it's important and uh, i think there's aftermath of that when people are just like bogged down bogged down with their job and you need to take those breaks it's good for you and um i think also the number of when we met um this german guy and he said he did it for under a hundred dollars a day we're like that that having a tangible number to go okay let's look at our savings divide it by that and that's how many days we can travel all right mm -hmm. and then from that you can try and keep your your budget down 100 you can totally travel for for less than it would be 50 dollars a day per person you can travel for less than that but it's still good to give yourself a buffer right something could go wrong on them but that was a number that was like we can do that um, and like talking about budget, just to like share with, I'm sure a lot of your audience wonders, um, you know, how much you spend on trips and just in general, like how much it costs to travel. There's no one number for how much it costs to travel around the world. Um, you know, that German guy did his for, you know, around $50 per person per day, all in. And when we give these numbers, we mean flights, hotels, food, excursions, you know, gear, visa fees, everything, taxi cabs, buses. The whole nine yards he did his for 50 we did ours the first two years of our trip where we did 33 countries in two years we did it for about 37 dollars per person per day in 2016 you know incorporating a lot more travel hacking we didn't pay for a single flight in 16 we visited 10 different countries we did a lot of house sitting which kept our lodging budget uh around a dollar a day on average for the whole year um but our full spend for 2016 was $11, dollars, a little bit under twelve dollars a day per person. And that sounds like sad. Like, oh my goodness, were you living in squalor, sleeping in alleys, or something <laughs> like that? No, we like 
stayed in villas and beach houses and you know had cool experiences like we tended a farm on those three acres in the Portuguese countryside and um, there are ways to to make travel affordable and it doesn't mean you're skimping and these budget experiences don't need to be like settling for less it's just being more creative about um, how you use your finances and the kind of opportunities that are out there. There's a lot of free experiences that are even cooler than paid experiences sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, speaking of free experiences, uh, one of the things here in South America, and you know, another place in the world is these free walking tours, and they're not technically free because you gotta. Uh, you know, not you got it, but uh, you know it's a pretty much a, uh, I guess custom that you got to leave a tip and I uh, support the the guide. But those are a great way to actually see the the local um, cities, and uh, we've been doing that a lot on our travels. And you mentioned obviously things like house sitting, uh, travel hacking, obviously travel blogging. You can get a lot of stuff sponsored. Uh, tell us about some of the ways you guys are able to uh, generate income now, because it's one thing to start the trip, but obviously to sustain it and continue it. So uh, tell us about some of the income sources that uh, you're p pulling in right now. I mean, yeah, the first uh, year or two, we we really didn't make any money. And that's the that's the thing is you, you can't, I think some people go, oh, well, I'll start traveling and I'll start a blog and that'll make me money. No, you know, you know, it's the income might, might appear later with a lot of hustle, but uh, we did not bank on that. Uh, but we did start to do, we started with doing a little bit of freelance writing and you know, with some freelance writing, we're able to do some bartering and uh, and then ultimately get more paid gigs. People saw Honey Trek as, you know, a, a brand they wanted to align themselves with, you know, an adventurous couple who had, you know, a, a good view in the world. And we started to get approached uh, by brands to do ambassadorships with them. Um, the pinnacle of that is Microsoft actually uh, asked us to be in their their campaign with Dell to launch their new uh, yeah, one of their nice. new XPS computers. So you know that was something we're like, whoa! I we didn't think that um, doing what we do would just naturally get us some uh, some income just by. But you know this is that was remarkable. We're still amazed that happened. Um, and we do some other like we do you know affiliate programs like. We have our packing list, like rtwpackinglist.com is a website we built, um, mainly because everyone all wants to know, like, what's in your bag? Like, what do you pack? What should I pack for and around the world? Like, what's your favorite phone? What's your favorite, you know, camera for travel? What GoPro do you have? So all these questions people ask. So we basically built a little website, and those are all affiliate links over to Amazon. And as you know, it's the same price for people, and they kind of support Honey Trek if they buy through that shop. So... That's like another way, you know, just small little trickles of income. We've got the Ultimate Journeys for Two book. That's like, you know, small little royalties um, as we sell books um, and mention the partnerships. We also do a thing called Trip Coach, which is kind of one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching for people, more than coaching. It's like really becoming a mentor for people who want to go around the world. And we don't pre-record anything. It's not like eBooks or anything. It's just us over Skype one-on-one -on -one with a couple or a solo traveler uh, that is looking to go around the world and wants, you know, kind of somebody who's been there and done that to help smooth the road. We actually just did a course for a couple in Nashville yesterday on our drive across Tennessee. And the idea for that was, you know, we didn't expect it to be any kind of money-making endeavor and it's not great amounts of money at all. But the idea was we had felt like we had learned so much through our own mistakes even, and that we wanted to make, um, and had, I remember all the fears that we had running through our mind before we set out on a trip. 
and just felt like we needed somebody who'd done it. You needed that kind of hand holding to take such a massive leap. So we wanted to be that mentor for people. And we've coached probably about 40 people now who've gone on their journeys. And that is the most rewarding thing to see people actually go, this is a dream, but it's always going to be a dream. Like take it off the shelf and actually mobilize that to a life-changing experience like traveling the world. We lost your audio. Is your audio gone? Our audio is still up. We didn't change it, but we can hear you. Okay, is that better now? You're back, yeah. You're back. Okay, I'll edit that part out. Sorry about that. All good. Alrighty, uh, so uh, thanks for sharing about the whole multiple streams of income approach. I think that's a recurring theme on our podcast about uh, you know figuring out those different ways from affiliate marketing and coaching and uh, doing the courses and uh, uh, the book sales, etc. So curious to know about the book. Uh, just recently came out. Tell us about uh, uh, how did it all start there? Did National Geographic approach you? And uh, uh, tell us about the whole idea to. Uh, from conception to implementation about the book? They did approach us and we were, you know, I don't think we'd ever thought about writing a book. It's a ton of work to write a book. But when Nat Geo approached us, we're like, we better step up to the plate. This is such an honor. And they were intrigued by this idea, as I described before, about couples travel not being about laying on a beach together, but you know, having experiences, an element of an adventure. And so it's, it's their first book on couples adventure travel. and. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, so basically it was how to, how to narrow down the 500 regions of the world that we've experiences, experienced, and, you know, it's our favorite 75 destinations, and how we did is we broke it down into those categories, so our favorite four mountains, our favorite four beaches, and then it was amazing that they let us, um, include so much of the Honey Trek story. They were like, it makes, it's real that you did this. It's not like, just doing research and these are the top 10 things to do. They wanted to see like what were the experiences that we, we had and that and the other people to do to sort of get to the essence of that place. So for each chapter, for each destination, um, we'll kind of give the, the that essence and then you know where to go, when uh, sorry, uh, when to go, where to stay, uh, a, a romantic tip and a honey track tip. So the thing that we learned that's gonna help make your 
your experience better. And then we'll give like our four favorite adventures to do there. And then there's always like a fun behind the scenes. So um, an interesting encounter we had, a, a transit blunder that, you know, there's a, there's a candid uh, element to this book where we don't sugarcoat everything, you know, travel has bumps in the road, but it's all about the right attitude. And those bumps in the road can become some of the most memorable parts of your journey. So, yeah. And then in the end of the book, uh, or kind of the last chapter, it's called mm -hmm. Travel Smart, where we incorporate all of our best like travel hacking tips on you know free flights, free lodging, all sorts of different uh, options there, and credit cards, and how to be safe with money, and what to carry in your wallet, and technology, and our best packing tips. So it's like a lot about the destinations, and then a lot about how to actually bring you know travel into reality. And it's not a book about uh, long-term travel by any stretch. I mean, it's really meant for people who have one week, you know, 10 days, two week trips, but how to make those trips more memorable, how to get local on those trips and really have deeper experiences than just going to an all-inclusive and saying, oh, I was in Mexico because I was in Cancun and drank a margarita. Like how to, you know, different parts of Mexico that people don't visit so often, but are totally safe with lovely people amazing adventures, um, great food and great architecture and just, just different ways to look at, at a lot of these destinations. So yeah, hopefully, you know, we inspire some people to, to follow that travel bug and, you know, just give them, um, I don't know, we think it's a pretty nice gift for any couple, you know, if anybody has couples in their life that, that loves to travel, we're, uh, whether they're like, you know, about either engaged or, you know, families, you know, parents need to get away too. And if you need some a break or empty nesters it's really it's not it, it's just the destinations speak for themselves they don't they're not couples destinations they're just amazing destinations um, and some that can be enhanced by being a pair but but really it's about getting out there and laying a path to make that more uh, feasible and another fun thing on the book um, which we don't talk about too much but it, it's pretty cool I think it's neat uh, the fact that we are travel bloggers and, and travel journalists and wrote this book, we want it to be interactive. And in the end of the book, well, you can kind of see like the resource section here of the book, every destination has all the resources, the websites, the hotels we mentioned, we give links oh. to them. And then also we give a Honeytrek link. So like on Safari and the Galapagos, we give a link to the blog that we wrote on the Galapagos mm -hmm. so that people reading the book can go there check out that blog, ask us questions about the Galapagos or something they read in Ultimate Journeys for Two and be like, oh, I saw, you know, about this trip. Do you recommend this outfitter or where do I stay on, you know, Isabella Island or, you know, whatever questions they have about it. So it can kind of be interactive and go beyond the pages of the book and make it, they can go there and watch videos that we shot in the Galapagos and um, kind of make it a 3D experience both online and in the book and communicate with us on Facebook. So really just like whatever we can do to inspire more people um, is really why we wrote it. Awesome. I, yeah, I love the whole idea of that interactive book, the links, the videos, the videos and, uh, and uh, articles, articles cetera, pictures. Cetera, pictures. So curious so, to know about, the, know about the, the whole book's called Ultimate Journey. So what would you say are, uh, you know, maybe some of your recommendations? I know obviously get the book, but uh, what would you say are maybe one or two uh, recommendations you'd have for viewers here today for the Ultimate Journeys for two or more? Yeah. Well, all three that we mentioned earlier, the Galapagos is in there. No, we're saying 
destinations you're saying nepal a few journeys journeys well, you call it ultimate yeah yeah you know like experiences oh, a fun section in here um because i think your audience is dreaming about that long-term travel is where we have something called dream itineraries where we mm. link you know, well, we try and actually make that feasible. So if you're in at, at every given destination, it'll say, you know, like, want to explore more on this continent? And, you know, would you like more mountains? Well, then turn to page 27. So it might try and link something nearby to extend your journey. Uh, or do you want more culture? And then we'll give an option for that. So let's give two kind of other types of trips to link from every destination. And then at the end, it kind of culminates with these dream itineraries where we'll, you know, say, we do one on every continent. Every continent. So it's like beaches, 